Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. Yes, my intro was a little bit different than Cody. Uh, my name is Rob. I am going to be hosting the podcast this week as Cody is again away with our students. But this is the On Sunday Podcast where usually a handful of pastors from the church get together in the dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday. Um, and there is a few pastors here today. However, we have a few guests. So first I'll just say I'm Rob, and to my right, Aaron. And then who are our special guests? Savannah and Ashley. <laughs> Savannah and Ashley are both here. Savannah's, of course, as you guys know, one of our <coughs> wonderful singers, our worshiper, worship leaders. And Mem- member and summer intern. Mm-hmm. And summer intern. For a second time. For a second and time. Mm-hmm. Ashley, you were on the podcast last week. Oh. Right, I think so. You're on here all the time. CC Kids Director. Anyways, how has your week been going? How was your last week? What's new? I know that Savannah has, you know, she did something pretty fun recently and hasn't told anybody about it on the podcast. Yeah, I haven't I haven't mentioned it ever, actually. But she, I did see Taylor Swift. You caused an earthquake in we Seattle. We did. Yeah. 2.3, man. Did you no hear about way. that? Yes. Yeah. Both nights. Seattle wow. caused a 2.3 earthquake from all like the jumping and screaming. That is amazing. I know, I know. There's a, there's a sermon illustration in here somewhere. You think? <laughs> yeah. You think that'll preach? I think so. I think, yeah. I think Give us something. Give us something. I'll, I'll have to formulate something, but okay. that's wild. I know. I believe it though. No, I do too, because I was jumping and screaming and crying as well. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's how many people were there? 72,000. Oh my gosh. I know. That's and wild. every seat was filled, even like the, what is it, obstructive view where they can't even see the stage. Right. Those were literally filled. And there were people on the field too? Uh-huh. Ground level? Yeah, And ground in level. the stands. Mm-hmm. Easily 72,000. Yeah. That's amazing. Crazy. What was the stadium? Is it where Seahawks? Field. Yeah. The Seahawks play there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Could you imagine trying to go to the girls' restroom? <laughs> oh, it was awful. It was literally <laughs> awful. Swift concert. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. D- during her part of the set, they were pretty much like open. So if you like wanted to miss a song, you're probably good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But during the openers, like you don't have to pee because oh, you're not yeah. going to be able to. Yeah, you can't go. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's Did a, they just wild. open some of the <clears throat> men's restrooms for like women to use? They usually do that, but they didn't this time. And it didn't stop anybody. There are still women going into the men's restroom. Oh, dude. Yeah. You. It's got to happen. I use the family restroom, and I don't have any... Family? Family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just well, me out there. <laughs> yeah, you just go. It is Seattle. Uh, you can use any restroom you want. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you, you can be any gender you, can, you want. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's how, that's how it is up in that town. Well, that's really cool. Ashley, how was your week? It was good. It was good. I am struggling to remember anything <laughs> particular. What did we do? Um, what did we do? Oh, I mean, I'm... Ca- you hosted... Didn't you host, like, a game night yeah. or something at your house? Oh! Yes, that was fun. That was fun. Um, yeah, we have some some young adults at our church and <laughs> young, younger married couples. So um, I did like a backyard game night uh, potluck. And yeah, I think there was like 12 of us. And That's cool. Played a couple games, had some food. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. Was yeah. I did decorate it very girly, but I did like how it came out. <laughs> but she didn't take a single picture, so there's no evidence that so this happened. Happen. Oh, no, it didn't happen. happen. I'm so sad. Hmm. Yeah. Only because yeah. I saw one of these young adults pull up that I, I can confirm it happened. Oh, oh okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> were they lost? Uh, No, they were going to your house. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, okay. I, I was in the office for some reason, and I saw them late, and uh, they were going in. Oh, God. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And I can confirm because you stole tables and chairs from the church. Borrowed, uh, borrowed, borrowed, they and were, you helped. They were you quickly know. returned. This is a staff perk, okay? <laughs> yeah. we, all, yeah. we all know the perks. I mean, to be fair, your house is essentially on the church campus. Yeah. So. Can it's we a just? Mini- it's a ministry arm. Yeah, really I would is. like to confess something for our household. Oh, uh, Ashley stole your vacuum a year ago. Oh, and oh. has only used it, oh, I think, okay. twice since okay. then. So oh, I goodness. definitely do have one of the. Vac- Vacuums. Let me just say, we have plenty of vacuums here at the church. We do. We do. But you're right. Well, the one you're thinking of, we don't use often. Exactly. It's not used often. It's ours, right? I'm definitely using it when I remember to vacuum. I'm pretty sure we've gotten replacement vacuums for that. Yeah. Trashy vacuum. I mean, the church owns that property. Yeah. So you're just using. Yeah. I will say this vacuum's ancient, but it is awesome. It, it is kind of does work. Vacuum, Sometimes honestly. those older ones just Dude. do way better. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. <clears throat> they don't get good. as clogged as much because they didn't filter it as much. <laughs> <laughs> my so my vacuum at my house has like three filters on oh, it, and it's so annoying. It's all huh. about air quality, I guess. But I'm trying to get this stuff out of my carpet. That's yeah. You know what I mean? Because Rob, how was your week? Uh, it was good. Last night, uh, Aaron, you were there. We saw some police officers shoot beanbags at... Uh, <laughs> At like a target. What was that called? It was like community something something. It was yeah, down at the police station. Right. The police station was community engagement, yeah. something like that. And so they gave out a bunch of free food and ice cream and Kona ice and live music. It was so funny though. This like can't be music. It was right. just like they were just there volunteering, and a, a couple of people from there were playing live music, and it was you know like the classics and whatever, classic rock tunes. Well, this lady who was sitting like just who had attended, wanted to sing. And they're like, okay, if you want to join us. So she got up and she was singing. And she was singing pretty good, but it was no. so fun. Yeah, it was like... That's so I don't, weird. I don't this, this isn't is karaoke. Like, yeah, this isn't karaoke, but she got in there and I think she sang... Uh, oh, what is that? Um, I think it's that Big Wheels Keep on Turning song. Oh, what the, yeah. Oh, uh, let's Gloria Estefan. No, 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 no. This is like a classic rock... Um, what? Oh man, what is it? There's a, it's like an acronym, like something. Uh, Whatever. I know. I know what you know. What I'm about. talking about. Yeah. And she yeah. she did a good job. Anyways, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, we saw some demonstrations. Some people got tased. Some people got. No, I'm just kidding. They <laughs> they only did it to like silhouettes. They didn't actually tase people, which was kind of unfortunate. I thought we'd see some live tasing. It's it's so funny though. You uh, Jerry Schoon, one of our members here. I I ran into him there. And he's from Portland, and he was like, man, this is what you got to love about a small town. I came here, I've run into 15 people I know. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, you just go to these outings, and you run into a bunch of people from the church or the community. It's a, it's a good time, for sure. There was a lot of our church members there. Yeah. 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 I mean, the wall bombs. I know Ashley and Savannah <laughs> okay, came we okay. definitely... and left. Okay. They came for 30 seconds, and <laughs> we're like, Did you see the oh, parking lot? This the... isn't for okay. us. Okay, parking lot was full, but I will admit, it looked like... It looked like the families really there enjoyed was a it. lot of it was yeah. for sure for little little kids <laughs> exactly yeah. and yeah. that's why we went home and sat in our butts and did nothing and it yeah, was yeah. wonderful yeah for sure <laughs> you missed out the ice cream you missed our kids trying to like race to get the highest uh mile per hour <laughs> on so the funny. speedometer thing and Ben Simon, like, almost having an aneurysm. He was running so <laughs> fast. I mean, that dude is so competitive. That's funny. It was hilarious. He is um, competitive. Anyways, and then we picked a ton of blackberries mm -hmm. afterward. Man, we had so many blackberries. It yep. is blackberry season, people. Well, uh, since you haven't asked, oh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you, though? Aaron, please tell us. Please tell us how your week went. I mean... Yeah, my week was great. I flew home Saturday. What's today? Wednesday. Flew home Saturday. I kind of took a power nap, finished my sermon, preached, led worship, had a new member meeting, had the member meeting in the evening Sunday. Ooh. It was just like 100 miles an hour as soon as I landed. Um, but it was, a man, it was a great Sunday morning. Um, I just was like thankful to be back at church and see everybody there, and um, I don't know. The, I, I was texting Dave Howard, actually. He was asking just how the member meeting went, and I, I told my response was, like, there was just a sense of joy in the church that was pretty evident about uh, what God was doing and things that we were reporting and stuff like that. So anyway, it was cool to come back. Um, briefly, my time in Chicago was great. It was really encouraging. When you get away for three weeks and then you come back, you kind of have this great perspective on like what God is actually doing in the church. Like, you know, it's like looking in the mirror at your own face for a while. And yeah. then like, you don't see the change, you know? Yeah. But when you see someone you haven't seen in a long time, you're like, whoa, dude, you're getting older, you know? <laughs> um, like my point is, is change happens. And if you're like right there in it, you don't see it. But with space and time, you can see, uh, oh, things have changed or mm -hmm. things are happening. And it's really exciting, and it's uh, good stuff. So anyway, I needed that um, that time away to uh, to sort of appreciate all that the Lord is doing, and it's exciting to see what He's going to do over the next few years. So, but it was good, good training out there, and good relationship building, and um, good time of prayer and 
and reflection and all those things. And so I'm glad to be back. experiencing other church contexts. Oh, yeah. Right? You went yeah. to some churches that are very different than ours. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, the one church I went to twice, they're like a university church. So they they oh. basically are in, in a very, like, black neighborhood. Love it. But they're not reaching black like the people in their community there's a oh. there's a few of them for sure but they started years ago as like a arm of the chicago uh, university of chicago hmm. so they've got i mean it's a diverse church ma- massively diverse the problem is it's diverse but doesn't reflect the community so there's this weird sort of like the, you know diversity has kind of become the like high virtue of like church life over the last sure. 15 years and there's like diversity, but then there's like manufactured diversity, mm-hmm. and it kind of felt that way. And I and I know that the leadership is aware of that, and they're trying to take strategic steps to actually reflect the community that they're in, not just be like, because <clears throat> what ends up happening when you're a university church is you train up people, you have them for four years, and then you send them out as like yeah. missionary, mm-hmm. you know, vocational missionaries all over the world, which is a great ministry vision if you if that's your vision. But if you want to like be a local church in a local community, then you have to do things that reflect that community. Um, but because of that, they're because it's a diverse church and reflective of the university student body and things like that. Um, you could just see the way that they do things a little bit more intentionally because yeah. they know right. they have people for only four years. Mm. So you do things with a lot more intention and and training and sending people out. And so that's a cool thing to take away. Um, and then I did go to a black church and on the last Sunday that I was there. And it was... <laughs> it, it's funny because when you're a white guy walking up to an all-black church <laughs> <clears throat> or, you know, very, very light-skinned person, they uh they look at you very suspiciously not like bad but like are you lost <laughs> you know like are you lost yeah and so i was like hey i i know uh i know soup which is the nickname of the pastor and they're like oh you know pastor oh come on and boom <laughs> instantly instantly your family like instant and they're like hey you got to meet this person you got to meet that person and all of these i mean just old black women are just mm-hmm. like hugging me Love it. and like inviting me to the front row and just treating me like I'm just like the the most special guest possible you know mm-hmm. it was just like it was so awesome dude like they're they were really great um there was a guest speaker that day and he was he did a great job the worship was amazing um as always if anyone <laughs> ever gets an opportunity to go into the Midwest or the South or the East Coast and go to like a historically black church, it's it, the worship is an experience to be had. Um, Amen. You will, you will forever look at the way you do worship and think, what are we doing? And why are we doing it this way? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are we even doing this for real um, in comparison to them? You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool, the worship leader was so talented. Um, but anyway, not at, not any knock on Cody. It's more like, dang, these people are just really going for they're it. Going you know, hard, they're going hard. They're going hard. Mm-hmm. They come to Sunday with like game day on. You Literally, know? we're gonna we're here to worship, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's they go there and they do they worship. So it's a it's a fun experience. But anyway, good to be back and uh, excited for. This glad next you season. glad you had a great time out there. Well, let's get into the text. From Sunday, then, we finish up the book of 1 Timothy. We finalized, or you, you taught through the, the last half of chapter 6, starting in verse 11 through 21, uh-huh. which um, is a little bit of a recap of different things, and then some final um, imperatives. And uh, the main point that you had for your sermon this week was in order, the title of it was Pursuing the Good Life. <coughs> Right, I'm, yep, I'm surprised yep, yep. you didn't title it, you, you know, "Living Your Best Life Now." But yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> did you? Pursuing the good life. What does that mean? And your main point, which was the point of the text, was to experience a good life now. You need to pursue the good life that is to come, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. the eternal life. We kind of see that really evident where he says, "Take hold of the eternal life which you were called, and by which you made the good confession." That's in verse twelve. 
Um, yeah. So, general thoughts on f- closing out First Timothy. I know you took a break because you were away from us. Did you listen to all the sermons? I have not. Oh, sad. And let me, t- let me, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because Dave Howard's was 49 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Cody's was 43. Woo. And yours was 39. So I'm mine like, was, hmm. mine was not very long. Come on. Nice I guy. think that Rob's was more like 35 if it you was. like take out that prayer. You take out the reading and the prayer. And yeah. I had a lot of lead all up of on the, mine. All of the uh, other stuff. No, I'm teasing you. <laughs> they, Honestly, were, they were really long. Well, I mean, you were, you were just talking about how you went to different churches. Did those churches have 35 minute sermons? The uh, black church that I went to was mm-hmm. 29 minutes. Shut up. And Ooh, the that's... other sermon was about 28 minutes. No way. 29 so minutes for short. black church? Well, what? it was a guest preacher. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I think when you're probably... Well, but I know the pastor there, and yeah. I know he has been working hard the last few years to get it down from 50 to something else. Lord have mercy on that congregation. Yeah, exactly. That's a long time to be preaching. But I mean, you can say a lot in a little amount of time, you know? Like, yeah. you, you end can. up looking back in your sermon and being like, yeah, I didn't need that illustration. Or I could have, I'm, I'm, you're getting redundant. And sure, you want to be repetitive. That's helpful. But um, when you're redundant, then you're just saying the same thing in a different way. It's like, do we get it? We get it. Just get make your point. You know, right. you move on. Right. And I think there's a lot of fluff like that. Um, so you didn't listen to our sermons because they were too long for your liking. Well, I was also really busy. That's true. Yeah. I'll and, give it to you. And so I was... Well, you had to prepare the sermon, and you were finishing up all of your training there, and then you also had the members meeting. Right. Which, do we even talk about the members meeting? What, on this podcast? Yeah, earlier. Uh, I, don't think I, I mentioned, mentioned something about it, yeah. That's yeah. right, that's right. Well, I talked about the joy and all that stuff. <sighs> yes, Rob, that's Rob true. is getting back in the game here. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> so what um, were you asking me? Were you asking me what was anything to... that stuck out to me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also, in preparing, for I was it. wondering if you had heard our sermons because a lot of what you said, you know, did connect with what has already been said. But that's sure. because that's in the text, exactly. Yeah, that way you well, at least you know I'm not like way off on some other island. It's true in that's my true. sermon, but I'm connected with the text like everybody else. So here's the struggle of this passage, is the insane volume of imperatives. Mm, it's true. It's that happens like, a lot at the end of letters. For sure. Yeah. I mean, flee. You've got negative and positive. You've got flee these things, um, avoid these things, pursue these things, and you're just listing off all of these imperatives, right? And then you've got a Timothy, and then you've got a Rich, and so... How do you bring all of that together? This is sort of a question for for any Bible reader, right? What do you do when you come to a passage like this, particularly in epistles, where letters end and he just crams a bunch of like applications mm-hmm. at the end of a letter? What you do is you try and find the dominant imperative, the one like everyone else is sort of swinging on. Um, and... I think it was pretty clear by the structure, the arrangement of his material, that he was ending on this idea of taking hold. Mm-hmm. Um, Pursuing. Like every other imperative is not only hanging from this, but it's building to this idea of like an eschatological, which is a fancy word for like the future mm-hmm. life. Like in light of the future life that we're going to have, you should live this certain way. Mm-hmm. Run from certain things. Right. Uh, pursue other things because Christ is coming back. Um, because treasure is being stored up for you in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. Yeah. I'm living life now in light of what's going to happen in the in the near future or in the future. Um, and and that's obviously just a ethical strategy. I mean, all of us live every day in light of something that's going to happen, you know? If I right. knew I was going to die tomorrow, I'd live, I, you know, proverbially, I would, I would live a certain way today um, in light of knowing that future knowledge. So anyway, that's, that's kind of where that came from. Um, but it's, you have to wrestle with that in reading. Like, what is everything else sort of connected to and related to? And then once you figure that out, all the dominoes kind of fall into place, I think. And then it's actually like kind of helpful. Right. Yeah. And that's pretty evident from the beginning 
the pursue is right there in the text. You use that, you know, in your main point and in the title and taking hold of eternal life. And then, you know, for the appearing of Christ is coming. So yeah, that's helpful to look at. Um, but the good life, um, in the biblical sense, and I think he outlines a few things to pursue, but maybe we could talk about what kinds of things are apparent in the life of someone who is living a biblically, you know, sound, good life, quote unquote, in the sense that you're talking about in your sermon. You know, what are the things that mark out that kind of person? Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> Any idea, ladies? Wow. Okay. I can answer it. I, I think it's kind of like laid out in that first verse in 11, like righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, sure. gentleness, maybe some First Corinthians 13. Mm-hmm. About the, the love. love the yeah. love chapter. I think that's great. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, now since you connected it to First Corinthians, you know, that text is often quoted at like weddings yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But really he's talking about love in the body of Christ. Right. And that was the one thing I think I was a little bit struggling with in regard to connecting this passage to the uh, theme of the letter that we've done, which is the roots of a healthy church. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really connect it there strongly. Yeah, sure. So as much as maybe like uh, earlier sermons probably were, yeah. but I think it was also could have gotten redundant. There was reasons why I didn't do that. But I think I mentioned some things at the end of my sermon, like what does this look like? It looks like healthy families. Right. It looks like healthy marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like kids who are growing up to like know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um and it it looks like healthy relationships within the body of Christ. People have friendships, they feel like they can connect. And I think that that is sort of the little slice of heaven now before we get to that thing that we're all shooting for in the good life ahead, um, where we're going to have that perfectly. So I think those are some at, at least examples of things we're striving for, which, if I was to go back to what I was saying earlier about my time away in Chicago, I was able to reflect on like a bunch of people in the church that I've been able to like have friendships and relationships with over the last few years and seeing where they were then and where they are now. Right. I mean, like... It's it's mind blowing, honestly. Yeah. I'll give one example. My former neighbor mm-hmm. is getting baptized this Sunday. Yep. Wow. And Steve is just one one of the. I mean, he's just a dear friend at this point. You know, we we hang out, we talk. But the person he was when I met him, and where he is now, is just a genuine like miracle to me. And, Absolutely. and how, you know, you've gotten involved, Rob, in his life. And um, anyway, it's just been rad. And, and I got this text message from Steve when I'm out there. Hey, dude, you're baptizing me this Sunday. Be ready. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sitting in this class going, what just happened? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, when I moved in across the street from Steve, he came over and he was looking at me and he knew I was coming from California and I was wearing this. He, you know, he probably was scared to death thinking that some like uh, woke, you know, hyper progressive liberal is moving up from California and is going to ruin his neighborhood. But I was wearing this shirt, a T-shirt from a... uh, Make America Great Again. No, no, it was (laughs) this guy, this guy from uh, Harvest who moved to Texas bought me this like shirt from like a really famous gun range in Texas and like gave it to me. And it was just like, I just really liked the shirt and I was wearing (laughs) it. And he was like, Oh, he'll be fine. And he just (laughs) walked away. Like this, this is all he needed to see, you know? And uh, he's got some early memories of me, but I, that's the, my one early memory of him. But anyway, all that to say is it's uh, for me, like the good life is, seeing that kind of thing happening, you know, like seeing the growth in people, where they were, where they are now. Um, Obviously, it's hard when you see people not go that way. Right. Um, Right. Mm -hmm. But when you, you know, and you can get really depressed when people make those kinds of decisions 
and sort of implode their lives. But then when you see God working in other people's lives, um, you get the sense that God is still working and he's still working through you or through mm-hmm. us. And uh, anyway, that's where I would think I was, I would answer that question a little bit more. I don't know if you guys want to build on that. Yeah, no, I see what you're <coughs> you're saying. And I think that the point is like that good life is created because you're looking to the life to come. You know what I mean? And I was thinking, I was listening to um, John Piper's sermon from 2000 at Passion. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, don't waste your life. Right, right. And I think we've Picking up seashells on the seashore. Yeah, like, and he talks <laughs> about how, like, you could you could buy this this false narrative that what you need is the American dream. Like, you need to live a comfortable, secure life with a good family and retire and collect seashells. Uh, or you can expend your life for the good of the eternal things. And he talks about a couple of missionaries from his church who are in their 80s who go to, I think it was Polynesia, they go to some unreached people group, and they're serving there, and they're well beyond their retirement years or near the end, and they a tragedy happens. They end up losing their lives tragically, but wow. it was a celebration because it was like they were expending themselves for the kingdom, for bringing people into an understanding of who God is and who Jesus is into mm-hmm. eternity. And so mm-hmm. even though they were living their life in that time of their life, in a third world country, mm-hmm. you know, probably they didn't have a lot of great comforts around yeah. them. They were not eating <laughs> like we eat. You no. know what I mean? These these older ladies and they were expending themselves teaching people about the gospel and the Bible. And there was, I think it was uh, some kind of natural disaster that ended up taking them and they went to heaven. But that's the thing is like we would see the good life as those things living sort of in comfort. Not that those are bad, but that's how generally we would see it. But a, a missionary who is, uh, you know, leading people to Christ and yet living a life that is meager, you know, uh, is still living the good life mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. biblical sense. So I think that's, yeah, those are the things, because in, in the way that we think about it, uh, the good life is defined very differently depending on your eternal perspective, right? And I think that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Take hold of that eternal life and, and expend yourself, and then you can pursue goodness now, um, anyways, yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I think also the good life is like the transformed life, mm. a mm-hmm. life that, yeah, is utterly different because of Christ. Mm. So I, I like go to Galatians 5, like the fruits of the spirit mm. yeah. and like living out those things, patience, peace, joy, love, kindness, goodness. All right. Which things. essentially he says in this verse too, yeah. it, it's almost, yeah, similar. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. I mean, that's, a, that is a good point because... Um, I listed five things. What it was like, uh, in my sermon, mm-hmm. something about like these are general. Like, if someone was asking, what, how would you define, or what, what ingredients are necessary in order to have the good life? And this was, I can't remember what website I got that off of. Um, but it was, oh, here we go. Physical well-being, belonging to a community, having loving relationships, engage in meaningful work, and material comforts. And I, I read all those and I'm like, well, these aren't like anything exclusive for a Christian. Right. Yeah. I mean, a Christian can for sure, for sure, like want physical well-being. The Lord is like definitely cool with that. <laughs> um, yeah. Belonging to a community. I mean, that's why he made the church. You know, yeah. like there's all of these things. Like there's nothing wrong with any of these. Um, it's obviously the way in which we express them. And... Um, but I think when we think about our house or our marriage or these kinds of things, like who doesn't want peace? Mm-hmm. Like who doesn't want love or gentleness? Like that all when all of those things are present, you're like, dude, we're living the good life now. I don't need to have like the newest car to have peace. I don't need to have all of the uh, my IRAs or my 401k exploding in order to have like experience gentleness in my house. You know what I mean? Like these are things that really matter, not those material possessions that we think will provide us some sense of like security or freedom or happiness or whatever. Um, So in one sense, I read this and thought like, that's not that big. That's not that um, outside of the realm of what God would want for his people at all. Um, But it's just the way in which we like idolize these things is probably the bigger, bigger issue. Yeah. Or how we achieve those things. 
Yeah. They might think I'm going to achieve peace because I'm earning money and then I I stress less because mm-hmm. I have more money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the Christian, we have peace because sure. we have peace with God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which which is why I think he he has a word to the rich. Because yeah. mm-hmm. this conversation naturally will come up, right? Like, right. As for the rich, since, Timothy, we're talking about the good life here. <laughs> Some people who <laughs> yeah. think they live the good life. Um, let me char- let, I want you to charge those people to not be arrogant or set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, um, but instead to, to be known more for their generous good works, mm-hmm. which I think is such a great word. I, I like uh, probably from, my, from our last church. I, I actually feel bad for, for wealthy people in the congregation. Um, and, and in fact, there was a guy here at Canby when I first got here, and he, he was very successful. The problem is, is when you're in an unhealthy church context, people look at you and they, they sort of treat you different when they know you have money. Mm-hmm. And so all your real, like the only value you have is how much money you can give to support what they're doing. And they don't actually see you as a person. Mm. Um, They see you as a means to their end. Mm. And I remember I had a conversation with this person, um, and I I slightly, like, like I hadn't done anything, but I apologized on behalf of something else that happened. And I was just like, dude, I'm really sorry that you were treated that way. Um, Because I think he, for a long time, felt like, I only have this one person or purpose. People just want my money. Yeah. But right. they don't want my friendship. They don't want to really like know me. Um and I think that um people who have means that's why I think I mentioned in my sermon like I love this line because he's saying, "Hey, you have a purpose beyond just giving. You have a purpose to do good works for people and actually serve people beyond just giving money, but actually like putting your hand to the plow and engaging in meaningful relationships mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in doing so you're laying up a good foundation and a building on that investment, not just financially, but also in people's lives relationally. Um, but they have a unique, a unique position, you know, mm-hmm. like For a sure. lot of people, they come into a church and there's like something, some barrier, you know? And I think being wealthy adds a whole other level of like, do these people even want to be friends with me or are they just mm-hmm. like trying to get something from me, you know? So yeah, be careful what you wish for. It doesn't always get you the comfort because you may get the material comforts in the this bullet point list, mm-hmm. but you won't have loving relationships and you won't sense that you belong to a community. You're just sort of like funding the community. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, you're not getting these other things that will give you like the good life. You know what I mean? So I I thought it was really pastoral of yeah. Paul to sort of like well for example I think the the these false teachers in Ephesus were taking advantage of the rich yeah absolutely and, and trying to get rich themselves that off of them right right yeah and so they're just swindlers dude and so they're uh, they're charmers and so now Paul at the end here addresses them directly. And it's like, hey, this is how you can be used by God mm-hmm. and actually support ministry um, and not be taken advantage of and still yeah. feel valued. And I thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah, like earlier in this chapter, it's sort of a warning against the temptations of wealth. And then in this second that's part the of the section chapter, you covered. That's yeah. what I covered last With the week. contentment. And then this section is like, how can you use the wealth that God has given you to properly, you know, fulfill the mission? Yeah. And... Uh, and thought that was cool. And it's amazing. I said this, and I know you've acknowledged this, that we have a really generous church that has a healthy giving culture where that kind of thing doesn't happen. <laughs> and we went over this in the members meeting, how we are all sort of supporting at the level we can across the board. Mm. And it's such an amazing thing to participate in something like that. And uh, so, so yeah, we're so grateful that, that we have that kind of healthy understanding of money in general. And... Um, and I think I think something like this is important that the Apostle Paul is is addressing this in this church. We've already seen earlier in the text, you know, don't don't dress. Oh, is that me? Wow, Rob, you couldn't even put it on. Do not disturb. Uh, <laughs> it is si- it's silenced. Okay, 
There we go. Um, anyways, he, he addressed wealth earlier in the text. So it was an issue in Ephesus. And he and I, I think that's helpful because that's an issue that continues to be an issue in many places around the world, not everywhere. But uh, anyway, so that was a, a good emphasis. Another thing that he mentioned here that I thought was kind of interesting, and I don't think you had a good, you, did, you weren't able to get into it much, I think, in your sermon, but I was curious. Because he mentions the good confession, he repeats it twice. One speaking about Jesus, who made the good confession before, you know, Pilate. Um, and then he also encourages him to keep, you know, keep that good confession. Um, and I think I was, I was sort of curious about that. Um, what is, what is, what does he mean by that? And he also says like, you made it in front of many witnesses. So what is that good confession opposed to like a bad confession or how should Christians think about that? Cause you didn't really get into that too much. I think the good confession is just the basic, like you made a confession of faith in Jesus. And I, I think what is, I, I don't know if it's that so much that's in question, like what is the good confession? Mm-hmm. To me, it's pretty clear. He's talking about you confessed faith in the gospel right? in front of many other people. Like you're, you're a Christian, you made that public profession. Now live it out mm-hmm. is essentially what he's saying. Um, and I, I, I think his use of it is probably the more fascinating thing. Like, hey, you confess this. Uh, we heard it. You be- you believe the gospel message. Um, we heard you publicly profess faith in Jesus. Now this is how you ought to continue to live it out. Because mm. um, I think as Christians, we are unfortunately like... Uh, this was a question I sort of thought about, maybe we could chat about, is the gospel, at least in American churches for a long time, has only been seen as a tool for getting people saved. Like Mm. the gospel is for salvation and that's it, Mm. which is true. The gospel is for salvation, but the gospel, as Tim Keller used to say, is not the ABC of salvation. It's the A to Z of salvation. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the, everything about the Christian life is all sort of summarized and built on the foundation of the gospel. So he basically makes this, charge to him, take hold of that eternal life, which you were called and you confessed in the presence of many people, based on that thing, based on the fact that God is present with you, and remembering that Jesus Christ made the good confession when no one else was with him. Mm-hmm. He's, so here's the technical term for this. It's a gospel ethic. So in light of the gospel... That is what God has done for all of us in Christ. We ought to live a certain way, right? Not just agree that it's true, but now because we've agreed that it's true, i.e., the confession, we it ought to change our lives. Yeah, like the way we invest in relationships and the invest in the relationships we don't invest in, and the way we spend our time and the way we endure sufferings and trials. Uh, when when we feel betrayed and abandoned, we'll respond a certain way and not give in to people pleasing or or selfish ambition or whatever instead we're going to maintain full to maintain faithfulness to the confession um that we made and so anyway it, for me it's more like to what end and how is he using sort right. of his early call to to convert to now encourage him to stay faithful in ministry i think is a more fascinating thing mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know if i answered your question no, I think the structure of this was was interesting to me as I was reading it because if you if you this isn't the main point of the text I think so it's be weird to get in the weeds of it but you see the progression of how salvation kind of functions where you have the call God mm-hmm. calls and then there's the response and the good confession where you right. you you truly believe mm-hmm. and it happens in front of witnesses mm-hmm. right so it's a public activity and I think the reason for that you know, there's many, but like, so that then accountability can happen in regards to following the confession you made. For sure. You know? Yeah. And then the greater accountability, because look at what he says, made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just like lays it on there. Like yeah. even, even if no one else is there, which is true in Jesus's case, the yeah. very next phrase, right? Mm-hmm. 
he's all alone before Pontius Pilate, but God was there. So in the presence of God, he Mm -hmm. held the good confession. So Timothy, here's the ethical imperative of that. Because even if everybody leaves you, and even if you feel totally betrayed and alone, God is still present with you, and because of that, you need to stay faithful Mm -hmm. to do what you're supposed to do. And man, that's hard to do. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. But but it's but it's uh, possible because God is present with us, and it's essential because God is with us. And I think that that's how He's utilizing it there at the end, um, which is which is just amazing. I think like for us, we just need to do a we need to look at how Paul does this a lot in the, in his letters where he doesn't just take like, hey, believe in Jesus and be saved and be delivered from your sin. It's like, okay, but what is that? How does that look like? You know, he mm-hmm. develops that a lot in his sermons. Like, because of this, you should do that. Because yeah. Christ Jesus died, now you should live in this way. Because sin is uh, was a slave master, you should now live in freedom from sin and not continue in sin. You know, like right. he does a lot of these things where it's like, not just Christ as an example, but Christ as the purpose and the reason for why we should be different. And and he gives us the power to do that, um, which is amazing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think that, that that good confession kind of goes back to what Paul has said before, um, faith that works is dead. And mm. he's saying like the work of that would be pursuing the good life, the good life that's to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In James, right? Yeah. In, yeah. yeah, I was I was thinking about that too. Um I, I like the gospel doesn't give you the option to not be changed by right it. exactly like, yeah yeah well yeah. and that's why I mentioned the American church because yeah. the American church has really tried to like evangelize but not make disciples right mm-hmm. yeah and that's the problem is like they've gone out there you know these like churches or you know quote unquote evangelists or whatever. And they're like, my job is just to get the gospel out, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Paul even said it himself on multiple occasions. He says it in Galatians. He says it other places. My goal is to present you mature in Christ on that day mm-hmm. when right. you stand before him. Like, it's not just to get you saved. It's actually to, like, walk with you through life or help you to become sanctified, which is something that God does, but it's also something that we do as we participate in that. Um, And you, anyway, when you, when you get to that point of discipleship and thinking like, I'm not, it's like raising a kid, right? It's like, we're not just trying to have kids. We're trying to raise these people into adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what Paul's ambition was. So I think that a lot of people have just sort of fallen down and their yeah. their bad view of discipleship and just tried to get people into heaven but yeah by the, by doing so they've gotten to people to think that they're going to heaven but really they're not yeah because yeah. they've never been transformed definitely you know they're not yeah. maturing yeah haven't you heard like people say well i'm not called to like disciple people i'm only gifted in in this area. Mm. Like, what was that phrase? Like, some people water, some people plant. Well, that's in the Bible. Paul Paul and Corinthians. (laughs) Yeah, but... but, (laughs) That's true. We don't want to discredit anything in the Bible. (laughs) But some people take that and say, well, I'm only a water, like, waterer. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm only this. Yeah. So, I I don't know. What do you think of that, like, in response to what you're just saying? I think that we're going to get the answer in the next uh, letter because I don't think Timothy was a very good evangelist. And yet Mm. Paul tells him, do the work of an evangelist. And so even if you're like better at watering seeds or planting seeds, but not harvesting seeds, Mm. which is what people typically call like evangelists. Sure. Yeah. um, I I don't know. I think people who plant seeds are are also good evangelists too. Mm -hmm. They just don't see the fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I was was actually bemoaning that with a guy in in Chicago because actually he was bemoaning it to us how like he would challenge people, challenge people, plant seeds, plant seeds. And then like they'd leave the church. And then like eight years later, they'd call him and say, dude, that conversation you had with me, like it came back and revisited me. And and I, I, I just gave my life to Christ. I had this conversation with a pastor here and 
And he's like, how come you didn't do that? Like with me, you know, like, so he, he's a water guy. He's a seed planting guy. Right. And he, so he's accepted that to some degree. And yet he's trying to get people like converted, you know, but, mm. and he's probably had conversions too. And some, somebody planted a seed before and then he led him to Christ. But I, yeah, we don't want to make excuses for that, mm. but we also don't want to like not labor hard at planting right. seeds because that's that's part of the whole process you know but yeah. i think yeah. paul is embracing that fact of the matter in first corinthians that hey there's some people who are really good at planting seeds yeah some that are really good at cultivating that following up on it um well his point there though is god is the one who gives increase so that's right he's trying to make the argument it's not me or apollos who's baptizing mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. he's saying us people are only one part of the full thing. God That's alone right. is the one who brings the fruit. So like like people claiming that they have some kind of uh you know responsibility only to do one part is in using that text would be like not. That would be like very eisegetical, totally. you know. Mm, so I, yeah. that's yeah. And then this this closes out by Paul saying guard the good deposit, which I think is that his calling, is that his responsibility, is that his is that the salvation that he has? What does he mean by guard? He says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And then avoid a reverent babble. He gets back into that. So well, is that like I his think connected, I think connected to the irreverent babble is the guard, the guard the good deposit. Because it's like there's some conversations or topics that will try and get us to derail the purity of the gospel mm. um, and the truth of God's word and his job. Timothy's job, every pastor's job, and let me dare say, every Christian's job absolutely, is to guard the deposit, to make sure that the gospel is, A, rightly understood in their own heart, B, rightly understood by those in their own congregation, right? Yeah, Helping to yeah. disciple people. Um, if someone is teaching a false gospel— to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the leadership starts to go astray, you know, it's your job to sort of step up and handle that conversation. It's not somebody else's. And I mean, there was a, a church not too far from here where they hired a young pastor and he didn't believe in hell. Right. Those members need to run up and have a conversation with their leadership and be like, hey, dude, <sighs> our job is to guard the deposit. Mm-hmm. And this dude is taking out funds from the deposit that's not not right, you know? Yeah. And we're losing it. And so I think that that's a, at least a part of that. That's what it means to fight the good fight. Yeah, it's everyone's responsibility. Paul says in the opening of Galatians, if anyone comes to you and preaches another gospel, anyone, even me, yeah. as an apostle, you gotta right. say it something. is your job as the church right. to rise up against that. And that, mm-hmm. I think that's apparent. So guard the good deposit of the gospel. But that should conclude our biblical discussion for today. So let's sure. move into our next segment. Volunteer of the week. Hey, Cody. Cody's here, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, He's always got to make a visit. In spirit. In spirit. Uh, our volunteer of the week this week, we are going to give it to, I think this is a repeat winner, but you know what? He deserves it. Amen. Vince, Amen. Vince Caparelli, the Aww. good. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh no! Love it, love it. Savannah's pressing buttons. You should. He was. He's. He helps uh, maintain our facility here. He does. does a great job. He's gonna help me fix a door tomorrow. <laughs> oh Aww. here? Yeah. He's gonna work on that with you. I mean, it's got to get done. I know. Well, anyway, so we can talk off, <laughs> off the podcast about that. <laughs> we'll yes, figure it out. we have the building falling apart, but Vince this past <laughs> week uh, power washed all of our steps and uh, part of our building. Dude, so nice. he like he like cleaned the grimy steps and got the moss away mm. and it, it is truly kind of a safety hazard because uh, oh, some sure. of the lines aren't clear and some yep, of the yep, yep. folks who need to use the steps can't do it anyways vince has won in the past but we're going to give him a nod this week as well good job yes. vince if you see him around give him a high five tell him he's doing a great job do you have the bible trivia? It's time for oh i do bible oh he's got trivia. it all right <laughs> right now I love that song. So good. I love it. It's a good one. 
We since uh, we didn't talk much about this in the in the uh, Bible discussion, but there is a very famous section of the passage that we looked at where Paul tells Timothy, "Fight the good fight of the faith." He'll return to that in Second Timothy, yeah, right where he concludes, "I have fought the good fight." That's right. So I thought we'd look at some battles. Battles won supernaturally is the category. Uh, what prophet's word caused the Syrian soldiers to be struck blind? What prophet's oh, word caused the Syrians' soldiers to be struck blind? I... Mm. Man. I might have stumped all of us. Syria. What did I just the say? What did you just say? Um, prophet? Syrian. I don't know. Is it a... Syria. Oh, man. That's a tough one. It's I'm not probably, graduated yet, I'm say. So. I'm going to say Samuel. I'm going to say Samuel. I think... Yeah. Let's Any see. guess? Um, you guys want to make know, any guesses? I'm going to go with Elijah. Yeah, that. I'm gonna go, go ahead, with go Elisha. Okay. I'm gonna, yeah, I'll go. I'll go Samuel. It is Elisha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley got it. Ashley got Good it. What do you nice. got? Nice. Good Ooh, job, Ashley. And the sparkle sound. But wow. for the Dude, rest like the of us, sound. for the rest of us, what do we get? Um, <laughs> get <that. laughs> um, okay. So good job, Ashley. Those are pretty good. What nation's army was destroyed in the Red Sea? Egypt. Oh, yeah. oh, come on. Egyptians were destroyed. We know that very well. What army was defeated when an angel of the Lord struck down 185,000 soldiers? The Philistines, you say. I'm going to go with that. Let's see what that is. Five soldiers? Oh, Wrong. Man. Wait, they struck down soldiers specifically? It's not the Philistines. What is it? Take another guess. It's a, it's a different country. Amalekites. The ites. One of the ites. One of the ites. One of the ites. Really? It's not one of the ites? Assyria's. Oh. <laughs> Dumb. Dumb. Oh, that's sad. We should end on a on a high note. So Can you do like an easier one then? <laughs> um Jesus. <laughs> oh man, some of these are hard. He's always man. the answer, man. Okay. What king led the people in singing and praising God, leading God to destroy David. the armies of the Amorites, David. Moabites, Edomites? Yeah. Of course, it was not David. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. It wasn't? Wait, wait, wait. Mm -mm. Who was it? it? Was... Oh, Hold on. Wait, wait. This was oh, a. Oh. Wait, you said king? King. Oh, man. I was going to say Joshua there for a second, but that's oh, not true. Solomon's Solomon? son. Solomon's son. Not, no. Yeah. Who's the uh -huh. son of Solomon? Well, it was obviously. Mm. Well, it was the first I one. I don't know. It was the first one it's right a, after Solomon. It starts with a J. No, Joshua. think of one of the good kings. Josiah. No. Joel. Justin. I don't no. know. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. We're getting all of these wrong. God bless, God bless you. Do you sneeze? Oh, God. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat. <laughs>